Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Koski, for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now your host, Lisa Koski. Today on Doing Divorce Different, I have the pleasure of talking to Stephanie Raffalock, and she is an inspiring author She writes about aging and going through difficult times. And today we're going to talk about women and aging, and then we're going to roll into how it's similar to going through a struggle like divorce and learning how she sees it as a time to awaken and be creative. And it's just so, so good. And I did want to let you know when we signed off, she mentioned to me that she has a book coming out June 28th. And it's a book that's called Art in the Time of Unbearable Crisis. It's on Amazon and all the proceeds go to benefit the people in the Ukraine. So she's very excited about it. And it is stories all written by women. She said stories about aging and stories about people who have families in the Ukraine. So you can go to Amazon and check it out there, but stay tuned. It's just a lovely conversation. Welcome, listeners. I am so excited to have you here today. I have a new friend, an inspiring woman, Stephanie Raffalock. And I am so excited to have you here for many reasons. But the two that pop into my mind are I was listening to you on another podcast and me being a 54-year-old woman, you know, in this stage of my life, your books, I've started reading, Creatrix Rising, kind of talking about this time in our lives. And you hit on something that really moved me because this is a stage in my life that I love more than any other stage. And I want all the young women to know this. Don't be afraid. It is amazing. I am creating more than I ever have. I am like being courageous. It is, I'm living my best life now. And so I love that. And I want to talk to you more about that. And then another point that I want to talk about is, of course, this podcast is about divorce. And you talk about kind of reimagining things or awakening. And I want to help the listeners understand how going through something hard like a divorce, how they can use that, how that can maybe even change their life for the better, because that's what I always want. So Stephanie, I'm so thankful you're here. I know you're going to make me a better mediator and you're going to just give my listeners so many tools and I'm going to feverishly take notes as you talk. Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome. Thank you. So if we can kind of talk a little bit about, can you kind of tell me what led you to write these books about aging? You know, at the time that I wrote my first book about aging, I was writing for a site called 60andme.com, which is a huge website that 
is actually out of Europe. And what surprised me was that I was getting feedback, like almost instantaneously from women around the globe that said, I'm not ready to like hang it up and call it a day. And these were women in their 60s and sometimes older than in their 60s. And it really made me start to look, what is my own attitude about aging? Because I grew up with a mother at a time when my mother said, I never tell people that I'm any age but 39. (laughs) She was rather adorable, but she also had this sense of shame that went on with women of a certain age in her generation. Like somehow it's bad to be over 39 years old. It's bad because your skin is lined and not as smooth and maybe your booty isn't as perky as it used to be. And of what use are you in the world if you are not an attractive piece of arm candy for a guy? You know, of what use? So it really got me to think about, well, what are my own attitudes about aging and where do I need to grow and stretch? And then I just kind of stayed with the topic. Yeah. That's how I wound up here. I love that. And, you know, when I think of it, I think of maybe things are changing a little bit because I almost feel proud to stay my age and I'm a grandma. So hopefully maybe things are changing and your books are probably helping with that. Well, I think things are changing. And like you, I feel proud of my age. I went to a new Pilates class. They opened a Pilates studio very close to my house and I've been doing Pilates for years. And I walked into a class and thought, gee, I've been doing Pilates before some of these women were born. (laughs) And so, you know, the instructor goes around and meets everyone. And she said, is there anything that I should know about you, you know, health-wise or anything? I said, you should know that I'm 70. And these young women whipped around. And I said, and if you continue exercising, you will look this strong and be this confident when you're 70 too. Stephanie, I had no idea you were 70. You're absolutely gorgeous. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're not going to believe it. That's amazing. I think what's sexy for women is health. Yeah. That's what's sexy. It's not if you can get rid of the lines or the sags. I mean, that's going to happen. Life happens, right? Mm -hmm. But when you are healthy, there is a sexiness to it because there's a vitality to it. There's juice to it, which is, by the way, I think why we are so creative in our 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. You think about some of the women that have been creative in our lifetimes. And it seems like the numbers are few and far between, but I'm seeing it more and more. Maybe not famous women, maybe like I consider myself a small potatoes writer. I'm not a writer that's on the New York Times bestseller list, but I'm a writer that contributes to the artistic vibe and the artistic tone of the country with what I write. And there are thousands and thousands of women like me. And there are thousands and thousands of painters like that and poets and women who make art from their gardens or in their kitchens. So age is in one part, it's a number. I mean, there are certain things that you deal with. Resiliency isn't the same that it was in your thirties. I've got a little bit of arthritis in my knees. I don't quite drop to them as quickly as I used to. (laughs) Um, But this is a very juicy, creative time. And it's a time of a third chapter. As a writer, I will tell you, and you probably know this if you've ever watched a play or read a book, that the third chapter in life, the final chapter, is where all the great transformation happens. That's where things morph. That's where the wet butterfly wings unfold. And butterfly, by the way, is a symbol for the soul. So now you've got a butterfly opening, and that's what happens in the third act of one's life. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I love that. That's so good. Well, and can you talk a little bit about how this can be, you know, apply to someone who's going through a divorce? Well, divorce is one of those great kind of things that we tend to call midlife crises, but it's rarely a crisis. I like the term midlife awakening. And awakenings don't come easy. You know, any birth is going to have labor pains attached to it. You know, when you're 25 years old and you have a kid, you don't do it without discomfort. There is a process to it. Same thing, you know, I just talked about butterflies, the chrysalis and the butterfly. I read an article once about how you can't cut or tear the chrysalis because it means the death of the butterfly. The butterfly has to struggle out Mm -hmm. to get to the awakening to become a butterfly. And that's what happens to us in what we call a crisis, but it was really a midlife awakening, is that we struggle a little bit to shed the skin of the old and come into this new, fresh skin and see the world through new, fresh eyes. That's the gift in something like divorce. It's not a failure, though it may feel like it at the time. It's one of those things that happens in life that you build upon that allows you to get to the next step. Mm -hmm. I love that you say that that's the gift of divorce. And I think, I mean, I can kind of relate COVID to, you know, going through that difficult time. And I think I heard you talk about how creativity saved us through COVID. It did. There were so many gifts. This podcast is one of them. Being able to reach people across the country with my information is another one. But I was thinking about, you hit me with that because I thought about, so I've got grown kids and grandkids and I've got one kid still hanging in there in high school. (laughs) And when COVID hit, she became so creative and she connected our whole family and did this theme dinners where once a week we had to dress up and send pictures of a topic. You know, it could be 70s, it could be American flag. And so I thought about that and that's what you're talking about. That is what I'm talking about. It's interesting that it was your daughter that did that. Yes. Because there was this phenomenon that happened across the country. And I know it happened across the country because I talked to women from all over the country. But when we were first in lockdown, if you went out for a walk, if you were lucky enough to go out for a walk, there were drawings on the sidewalks, chalk drawings, and some of them would be rainbows and some of them would be hearts and they would say, keep the faith. And um, the kids in my neighborhood painted rocks and these painted rocks started appearing all over the neighborhood. You know, if you were lucky, you got one bestowed to your garden. And it was the kids creating that I think gave us the idea that, you know, this is a time that we don't just have to languish. This is a time that we can turn into creativity. And divorce is the same thing. You need not languish because you've gone through this process that millions and millions of other people have gone through. But actually, it can be an awakening and it can awaken in you a new kind of creativity. You know, Mm -hmm. what did you not do because you were married? Did you stop painting? Did you stop singing? What did you not do that now you can reclaim? And reclamation is a very powerful, powerful thing. That is great advice. So, you know, we're talking about all these positive things. And I told you that I want to get the message out that aging is beautiful to me. It's my life keeps getting better. Why are people so afraid to age? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. One is we're not real comfortable with the idea of our own mortality. Yeah. You know, that's for starters. That, that's kind of the existential crisis that a lot of people go through. The other thing about aging is that we live in a culture that values 
youth and beauty and beauty being defined as youth above all else. And so we're constantly bombarded with advertisements and images of women that are 30, 40, 50 years younger than we are with the message that if you just use the right toothpaste, if you just use the right face cream, if you just exercise in the right way, then you will be worth something. And it's so interesting to me that especially with women that our worth is so tied up in appearance. And we think of appearance before we think of health and some of the things that we can do for ourselves, or we think of appearance before we think of creativity. And so a lot of it is an outside factor that we deal with. But in order to get rid of that outside factor, we also have to realize that the call is coming from inside the house. If you're feeling bad about yourself because you're getting old and you think your life is over, then you need an attitude adjustment. And you're the only one that can give yourself that. Mm -hmm. Taking responsibility for your mind and your thoughts. That's right. Yep. Yep. That's so true. I want to ask you another question. I feel like I heard you talk about the word empowerment. Can you touch on how you feel about that word? (laughs) Well, I think it's overused. It's an overused word. And I think that it's an underutilized action that we take for ourselves. You can think of empowerment as it's bestowed upon you somehow by some outside event. But empowerment is really something that grows up from the center, from the gut of a woman, I believe. And it's something that needs to be claimed and examined and understood as not a polite and pretty process, but a powerful process. Like I always say that courage is not about gold wristbands and a gold breastplate. Courage is about baby barf on your shoulder and skinned knees. That's what courage looks like. But we live in a culture, once again, where we would like to think that, you know, courage should look like this tremendous thing, like we're Wonder Woman or something. And chances are you are Wonder Woman, but that's not what courage is going to look like. So I think getting real with ourselves about what courage is, about what power is. Women hold power differently. You know, the warrior model, which is slowly beginning to fade away, is about having power or dominance over someone or over something. When women think of power, they think of it in terms of personal choice. They think of it in terms of being able to do life on their own terms. So the meaning of power shifts a little bit. So for me, empowerment does not mean that I suddenly have dominance or hierarchy over someone, but that rather I'm able to do life on my own terms. That's what seems truly empowering. And I'm careful where I use that word because we've just used the heck out of it. Yeah. And it sounds like freedom to me too, when you talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about as we get older, how do we fit in to this youth-oriented culture? Can you touch base on that a little? Yeah. You know, I talk with people sometimes about what it means to be an elder. And I think that my generation sometimes confuses being an elder with giving out lots and lots of free unsolicited advice. (laughs) And if you will remember what it was like when you were 20 or 30 years old, kind of the last thing you wanted from some older lady. (laughs) unsolicited advice. So part of being an elder is being in an open heart, open mind space where you can allow yourself to be mentored as well as being the mentor. I have a great example of this in my life right now because I am collaborating 
with a young woman who is about to turn 29. We're collaborating on a screenplay together. And I love working with her because every week I learn something from her and every week I know she learns something from me. And it's very much a flow, a give and take. And so that's what being a true elder is, is that you're able to share, but not give advice, but to share, but also to take it in. Mm -hmm. I mean, how incredible is that for some 30-year-old woman for you to say, oh my gosh, you changed my life today with what you said. That means so much to me. You know, you just touched a tender place in my heart when you said that. Think about how you carry that into the world if you're 30 years old. And that's what we should be giving, not not advice. Well, and also benefits us because we keep learning. And that I feel like that's so important. I'm just hungry to keep learning. So I do, I think that's so important. And I think about all the the youngins I have helping me with all the things I do. And, you know, even my children and how really I, I learned this from a parenting expert. Kids really don't listen to your advice anyway. That's right. They have to learn it on their own, just like we did. It's kind of a waste to share your very best advice (laughs) with a young person because they're really not going to hear it anyway. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So there's one more thing I want to touch on before we get to the new Saddle Up segment. Can you tell me a little bit about the woman's story? Say more. I'm not quite sure what you're asking. Well, I'm looking, you know, I'm thinking about, you talk about journaling and how our stories are important. Okay. Okay. My desire for women everywhere is to tell their story because we all have a unique story and the changes that happen to us culturally, whether it's the ability to wear pants when we had been relegated to dresses for so long, which is something I remember in my generation when you suddenly could wear pants to the office or it's Roe v. Wade, or it's equal pay for equal work, or any of those things. We tend to believe that that story was this one big event that happened because of like famous women. But really, all of those events happen because of a million little steps done by a million women. And so those million women all have a story to tell. We all have that woman in our family that sort of becomes legend. Mm -hmm. because she was the first. She was maybe the first one to get a job. Maybe she was the first one to get a divorce, you know, and leave somebody that was abusive, saying enough is enough. Maybe she was the first one to say, I'm going to go to college, even though I'm older now. And so we have that story within us too. We were the first at something too. And sometimes we don't recognize that when we're 30, 40 years old, but you get, keep getting up there and you go, wow, If I've lived this long, rich life, I've lived through a lot of history and I've lived through a lot of personal transformation during this time. So I always encourage women, tell your story, write it down. Even if it's only for you, it doesn't have to be for someone. It doesn't have to be for a publisher. Just write it down for you. You will learn so much about yourself and self-knowledge reveals all things. I love that. And I I feel so filled with gratitude when I think of the women who came before me. You know, it historically hasn't been that long that women were going to law school. And, you know, I think I kind of have could take that for granted. So, you know, hearing that is amazing. And I agree with you. And I love journaling. And 
as we're going to, you know, start to wrap this up, I always ask my guests at the end, it's called the saddle up segment. What is one thing that the listeners can do today to get them on the road to a better place? What would be your advice? Well, I would say get yourself a blank journal. I prefer lined pages. You may want unlined pages. And get yourself a book to inspire you. I recommend either Julia Cameron, The Artist's Way, or Natalie Goldberg, Writing Down the Bones. Both of those books are filled with writer's prompts and ideas about how to tell your story and reveal your heart to yourself. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Well, Stephanie, I am so filled with gratitude that you came here. I know it's busy for all of us and you're here today sharing your story and your books. I know they're available on Amazon. How can people find you if they're looking? You can find me at byline-stephanie.com. And that's got contact information. It's got my book information. It's got my blog. I reach back to everybody that reaches out to me and um, I love to hear from people. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for adding value and for you just, you hit a nerve with me and I love your message and what you're adding to this world. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Take good care. You too. Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter.